You're listening to audio from Redeemer Anglican Church in the urban heart of Richmond, Virginia. We are a parish committed to gospel formation for missional presence through seven essential practices. Telling the biblical story, embracing a new identity in Jesus, finding belonging in the church community, cultivating virtue through redemptive habits, understanding our context in this current cultural moment, laboring in renewed vocations for the common good, and reordering our imaginations through beauty in the arts. To learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. The first lesson this morning comes from Jonah chapter 1, verses 7 to 17. You can find this on page 774 of the Black Pew Bible that's right, Bible that's right in front of you. Uh, and just as a reminder, that if you do not have a Bible, please take this home from, uh, from us as a gift from Redeemer. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All rise. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Reading from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, starting on page 839. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. 
And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Good morning, friends. For those of you who might not know me, my name is Lane Cowan. I am very grateful to be one of your staff here at Redeemer Church. And Pastor Dan is in South Carolina this particular Sunday and sends his greetings and his prayers. And if you have been with us, you'll know that we have just begun a new sermon series in Jonah to mark the season of Lent. And Lent is the season of the church calendar that follows Jesus' 40-day journey into the wilderness as he fasted and prayed in preparation for his ministry, his work on this earth. And as followers of Jesus, we join in these ancient traditions of Lent, of fasting and praying over the 40 days of this Lenten season. And we look to God's word to help us prepare for our work, our ministry on this earth. And our sermon series in Jonah is meant to help us do that. So would you pray with me, please? Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts Be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, if you were here last week, we left on quite the cliffhanger here in Jonah. We heard of how in the beginning of this story, Jonah shows himself to be a very reluctant prophet. That is an understatement of the year. He is determined to flee from God's mission of mercy that God has given him to the Ninevites. For the Ninevites are bitter enemies of Jonah and his people. So Jonah, in fact, hops a boat and goes in the opposite direction across the sea from where Nineveh is actually located. And once on that boat, he goes down into the inner parts of the boat and goes to sleep. I don't know if you've ever done that where the world seems particularly harsh and you don't want to face something going on, so you crash, you conk out and try to sleep as if when you wake up, things will be different. Jonah is asleep and avoidant. Meanwhile, the Lord hurls this terrible storm that threatens the very lives of the crew and Jonah with it. And this crew is desperately trying to call upon any and all gods they know of to spare their lives. And they wake Jonah up and ask him to call on his God because literally and figuratively all hands on deck to try to preserve their lives in this storm. This is where we begin our passage this morning. And so I want us to look at two things in this text. First, how God awakens Jonah to his own need for mercy. As we watch Jonah fleeing from God's mission of mercy, God awakens Jonah to his own need for mercy. And the second thing is that God continues his mission of mercy through Jonah even as he is doing this work of trying to wake Jonah up. So first, how does God awaken Jonah to his own need of mercy? He brings Jonah down low. He submerges Jonah in the depths of judgment, these humiliating judgments. Consider that Jonah, in the beginning of our story, he wants God's judgment for Nineveh. He does not want mercy, and so he flees in order to prevent Nineveh from experiencing this mercy. 
And God's judgment does come, but it comes to Jonah as a mercy, as a good. And so hang with me as we try to explore how this possibly could be. First, we know that this storm was hurled by God and it's breaking Jonah's ship apart. And so these sailors, they cast lots. That's their way of trying to divine or discern whose fault this is because the sailors understand that this storm is a storm of judgment. And so when it comes to Jonah as the cause, there is this humiliating confession. Jonah has to go before this whole crew and confess. Look at verse eight and then nine. As the mariners demand to know from Jonah, why has this storm come upon us? They ask about who he is. They ask these questions. Where do you come from? Who are your people? My favorite question is, what is your occupation? It's one of those questions that seemingly would have no purpose in such an extreme crisis. And Jonah is answering in verse nine, he explains that he is of the Hebrew people. He follows Yahweh. And he describes this God, Yahweh, as the one who made the sea and the dry land. He knows God's power and sovereignty there. But did you notice which question Jonah does not answer? He does not say he is a prophet. He does not speak to his call, his occupation, because Jonah, we know, has chosen silence over obedience. He is not actually living into his call. So he is facing this humiliation, this judgment of confession before the crew. And then he is faced with death, an ultimate judgment. For he is facing being hurled into the sea just as God hurled this storm. And as a quick note, this book Jonah is this masterful, masterful story with a number of ways words are used to help communicate the impact or the power of the story. Like this vocabulary of hurling a storm and then having Jonah hurled over, overboard. We know that Jonah is swallowed by a great fish that drags him down into the depths of the sea. And so God has very effectively brought Jonah low for his own sake, because Jonah is in desperate need of help, but he is misunderstanding a number of things. You see, he tells the sailors they should throw him overboard. He believes he has to die in order to satisfy God. And he is willing to die in order to protect these innocent sailors. And you and I know how this story ends we know that once Jonah is thrown overboard, he is swallowed by a great fish. And we already had the spoiler last week, so I am not contributing any more so. We know Jonah eventually is delivered and makes his way to Nineveh. But Jonah doesn't know any of this at this moment, right? He offers to be hurled overboard to his death. He is physically and spiritually a castaway. Do you find yourself wondering, why doesn't Jonah cry out for mercy in this moment? We'll see much next week about how Jonah meets God in his mercy. But in this moment, Jonah does not cry out for mercy. Why? It's because, again, Jonah is misunderstanding God's heart, God's heart of mercy, both towards himself and other people. First. At the beginning of this story, we see Jonah misunderstanding God's heart of mercy because he believed God has too much, too much mercy. God determines to be merciful to the Ninevites, people who in Jonah's opinion do not deserve it and should not 
receive it. And now we see Jonah misunderstanding God's heart of mercy because he believes God has too little mercy. In this moment, Jonah does not believe God has any mercy for him. He can imagine how God would be merciful to the sailors in his own death, but does not believe that he can cry out to God on his own behalf. Do you know what that's like? To believe God wants better things for other people, but not for you? To believe that you've avoided God long enough or messed up often enough or strayed far enough that you don't have anything else to bring before God, but perhaps even your death. Do you know what that's like? I do. And yet God's commitment to mercy in this world is so absolute. He is not content to let Jonah flee, even into death. And it may seem like a severe mercy at first, but God is determined to have Jonah know his own heart of mercy for him. So look how God continues his mission of mercy for Jonah, but also through Jonah. God's mission of mercy, his heart for mercy is unstoppable. Ben Lansing, our very good illustrator, if he were to illustrate a cartoon novel of this man, he would title it, The Very Bad, No Good Prophet. And Jonah, though he is a disobedient prophet, is actually in the midst of so much good fruit coming about. Look what happens to these sailors. First, in verse 13, they attempt to show mercy to Jonah by trying to make it to shore rather than taking the drastic measure of throwing Jonah overboard. But when it becomes clear that the ship will not reach safety, they cry out to Yahweh, this God they have just been introduced to. They ask for protection from the guilt of Jonah's death. They acknowledge God's sovereignty, naming that he has done as he pleased. And so in verse 15 and 16, we see that once these sailors do throw Jonah overboard and the storm stops, the whole of the crew come to fear the one true God, Yahweh. And they make vows to him, forsaking these other gods that they had just called upon desperately moments before. And of course, again, we know that Jonah survives the fish and makes it to Nineveh, meaning God delivers Jonah from the fish and from death. And he continues with his mission of mercy by calling Jonah back, the very bad, no good prophet, to pick up where he left off and continue on to Nineveh. And so friends, if you are wrestling with God in any ways, if you are debating whether you are willing to be obedient to him, whether his call on your life is good, if you are deciding whether you believe God wants to be good to you, know that God's mission of mercy towards you continues on even if you don't believe it. And so God went to great lengths to call Jonah back to this mission of mercy. He used foreign pagan sailors that did not know Yahweh. He used the winds, he used the waves, he used a great fish because Jonah thought he was different from the Ninevites. They were the ones that needed mercy. He was the one to steward that, to decide whether or not they should receive it. You see, Jonah's struggle, we know, was not intellectual. He was not confused about God's instruction. He was not uncertain about God's direction. His struggle was moral. He was offended. He had his own idea of how things should be and how God should act. 
And who deserved God's mercy? And the Ninevites did not make his list. And so God as the one full of mercy showed Jonah that he and the Ninevites were the same. Both were so very in need of God's mercy. Friends, our participation in God's mission of mercy begins not as we bestow our own gifts on our neighbors or offer help, but rather as we first see our own need for God's mercy. As we begin with the understanding that we need help. And so I want you to consider a couple questions. As you're meditating on this passage, as you discuss in your small groups, I want you to consider two questions. First, are you tempted to think God has too much mercy? Or do you doubt God could want mercy for certain people? I want you to think of a person or a group of people that you despise. We all do this, I do this. Who grosses you out? Who offends you? Who repels you? Feel the disdain, rise, go ahead and and sink into that. Who are these people? Are they political conservatives or liberals? Are they Islamic radicals? Are they fundamentalists? Are they gay people? Are they trans people? Are they baby boomers or Gen Zers or anything in between? Are they black people or white people? Men or women? Immigrants? Neighbors, your parents, your spouse, your children, your housemates, your classmates, hold them in your mind and hear this. You are not better than them. I am not better than them. We need what they need, which is God's mercy. And there are too many things happening in the Christian world that are being driven by something other than mercy. It could be fear, it could be nostalgia, it could be activism, it could be greed, it could be self-righteousness. Our neighbors know when we are being driven by something other than true mercy for them. And the church throughout history has had a reputation of mercy. And so you can ask yourself, are we as a church, Redeemer, Are we as individual citizens and neighbors of Richmond, are we adding to that reputation of mercy? Lord, may it be so. So ask that first question, are you tempted to think God has too much mercy for some? But I want you to ask a second question. If you are tempted to think God has too little mercy, do you doubt God could want mercy for you? If you would, bear with me, turn to this front image on your liturgy, please. This is Rembrandt's portrayal of that Mark 4 passage that our dear Steve read minutes ago. You see this boat in the storm, and to the right half of the boat in the shadow is Jesus sitting in profile. He is looking to the left with disciples gathered around him, while other disciples on the bow of the boat are struggling and straining. For you see, in this passage, Mark 4, we read of another ship in a great storm. And we read of another crew of sailors terrified of their fate. 
And we read of another man incredibly asleep in the boat. But this man, Jesus, sleeps not in avoidance. He has not shut his eyes to the problems of the world. He rests in the confidence of his father's care and power. And when his panicked shipmates awakened him, their question was not about whether he would stop the storm. Do you catch that? Their question was about whether he cared that they faced death. See, all of us are tempted to doubt God's heart of mercy for us. I do that. I know some of you do that too. And so this story of Jonah points forward to this Jesus, the perfect prophet, the very good missionary. Jesus did everything in mercy where Jonah refused. And Jesus willingly entered into the humiliations of judgment, though he himself held the power to stop any and all storms he faced but he goes down into judgment and rose up from the depths of judgment after three days so that he could offer God's mercy to all who would receive it. And so dear friends, whether you are tempted to think God has too much mercy or too little, you need to hear this, that God's heart is one of mercy for you. That is unstoppable. And his mission of mercy towards you continues whether you believe it. And he seeks to use this church and everyone in it for his mission of mercy, even as he might ask us to face some severe mercies to help us see and know his true heart of mercy for all. Let's pray. Our God, our merciful God, thank you that this is who you are and that you will not be swayed from your mission of mercy by anyone or by anything. And so Lord, I ask that you would help each person here, whether they know and love and trust you, whether they are uncertain of who you are or whether you feel a stranger to them. Lord, would we know your heart of mercy for each of us? I pray in Christ's name. Thank you for listening. To connect with our team or to learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. We look forward to knowing you. Go in peace.